And hey, guys, let's, uh, let's go ahead and open up our Bibles. Uh, Matthew 9. We're just going to jump right in. Uh, jump right in here today. Uh, Matthew 9 is where I want you to uh, go ahead and open up, turn on uh, to whatever, uh, whatever you need to do. Matthew uh, chapter 9. If you're new to the Bible, Matthew is the very first book of the New Testament. Okay, so go ahead, open that up, turn it on. And if you uh, are just, man, you don't have a Bible or anything like that with you today, you're fine. Because uh, the words are going to be on the screen uh, behind me in uh, just a moment if they're not there already. But I want to I, I pray. I want to pray. Man, I just thank God for our worship team uh, and the work that those guys put into it. Again, they worked really hard on what we're pulling off next week. And we're just asking God to do great things. But we're here today, uh, and we're asking God to do something really significant uh, today. So let's pray really fast, okay? Father, right now, God, we just come to you. And I, 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 God, I, I just love what we just sang, just that prayer, give me faith. God, give, give, us, give us everything we need to believe that you want to speak to us. Give us everything we need to know that, that what you're saying to us today is true and right. God, give us minds that are, that are free from distraction. Give us Jesus. I thank you that he's alive. I thank you that your spirit God, your presence is right here in this place today. And so, Father, we just ask that you would have your way in us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Matthew chapter 9 is, uh, is where we're at. Matthew chapter 9. And we're going to read verses 34 through 38. So if you've got a Bible, go ahead and open it up, turn it on. Uh, words are probably already behind me. Matthew 9, 35 through 38, and it says this, Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them. Hey, if you've got your own Bible or there's a way you can do that, would you just some way indicate for yourself that that word compassion, it's a really big deal. Would you just somehow underline that, mark that for you? compassion. Jesus had compassion for the people that he saw. He had compassion for them. Here's why. Because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Um, Hey, I, I wanna I wanna do something really quick, okay? And and this this might be uh, a little out of your out of your comfort zone. This might stretch you a little bit, but if anything else, I mean, it will at least uh, help us to get closer together to the people that are around us. Okay, so if you participate, what I'm about to ask you to do uh, the relationship with the person that you choose next to you on either side. I'm going to ask you to do something to somebody to your side. So go ahead and pick which one you like the best if there's two people beside you, okay? Um, but your relationship's about to go to another level if you'll just be transparent and honest. It's church. We can be honest with one another. I need you to look at somebody next to you and tell them the last movie you saw that made you cry. Go. Okay? Last time you watched a movie, okay? It might have been at the movies. It might have been at home. Maybe you're watching something. You rented something. I don't know. Watched a movie on Lifetime. Fellas, don't admit that one. Last movie that made you cry, okay? Just go ahead, just, you know, just go ahead and share that, okay? It's good, it's good. Some of you are not saying anything, I'm too tough to cry. Yeah, and you're a liar, okay? Don't, don't give me that junk, all right? You know, God knows you've wept like a baby 
at a movie. Okay, go. People are, people are going. And, um, okay, you see, um, there have been, I, I'm, thir- I'm 35, 35, um, and uh, in my lifetime, there have only been three movies that I've cried at, okay? Three movies that have, that have made me cry, and I'll tell, you, I'll tell you what they are. The first one is the 1984 Transformers animated movie. Okay, now not the new ones that come out. Some of you, number one, you were not blessed enough to grow up in the 80s, okay? And God still loves you. God still loves you. You just missed the promise time. Uh, But you also did not know that in 1984, there was a jewel that was released called the Transformers animated movie. And some of I am telling you what? Spoiler alert, but there's a scene where Optimus Prime dies. And when he dies, I cried. I cried. Cry, shed tears. I'll tell you another one. Second movie made me cry. E.T. E.T. See? Oh, yes. Did I touch such a nerve? We can have the invitation right now if somebody gets saved. When they find E.T. and they think he's dead in the creek bed, oh my goodness, waterworks. Man, that scene gets every time I watch that, I just say, Spielberg, you got me. Ah. Oh. Here's the last one, last one, and I am secure enough in my manhood to say this. Don't you judge me. King Kong. The remake that just came out a few years ago, I knew what, the, I knew what was going to happen to the monkey. I knew where this story was going, but I was so enthralled. Tears. Tears. I wept. Okay? Hey, I, I, want, I, want, I wanted us to start out this, uh, that way, just a little, just a little fun. Uh, because t- today, today we're gonna, today's going to be a little, little heavy, okay? Today's going to be a little heavy. Um, and, and what I want to do now, I want to ask you another uh, question, and I don't want you to do anything. I don't want you to say anything to your neighbor. This is between you and God. But I really want to ask us a question that I'm praying uh, will, uh, it, it'll stick with us throughout this sermon. It's going to carry the idea that I just want to la- uh, want to land on us today. But I'm praying that this question really sticks with us longer than today. Um, this, this just, so if you're taking notes, you might want to write this down. But I hope that what I'm about to say to us uh, sticks longer than a 30-minute uh, sermon. And so here's the question that I want to ask, and you answer this, uh, just you and God. When was the last time that what broke Jesus' heart broke yours? When was the last time that what broke the heart of God broke yours? See, I don't know if you've ever thought about this before, but Jesus, when Jesus was on earth during his, during his life, and especially his three-year ministry in Jerusalem, uh, the Bible says, there's a book in the Bible, Isaiah, and in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 3, it'll be up here on the screen behind me, it's describing Jesus, and it says that about Jesus, that Jesus was a man of sorrows, acquainted with the deepest grief. And, and it doesn't mean that everywhere Jesus went, he cried. It doesn't mean that all the time Jesus was depressed, nobody wanted to be around him. In fact, the opposite it's true everywhere that Jesus went, he, he attracted a crowd because people just loved to be around Jesus. But make no mistake about it, Jesus, and here's what you need to know, Jesus was fully God and fully man. So at the same time, he is 100% God and he is 100% 
man. And everywhere Jesus went, what we just now read, it said that all through the cities and the villages that Jesus would go to, Jesus would see people. And every time Jesus looked at a person, every person that Jesus saw, he saw their deepest fears, their hurts, their pain, their regret. He saw their past. He saw their present. He saw their, where their future was potentially going. And not only did Jesus see it, Jesus felt it. So we, we read a word there in those verses. I told you to mark that word. It was in verse 36. It says that Jesus had compassion for the people. So Jesus was on tour. It says that Jesus went from cities to villages, all the cities and all the villages. Jesus is on tour. The Jesus tour shirts were made and the disciples were the opening act. And Jesus was a big draw everywhere that he went. And everywhere Jesus went, he saw people and he had, it says, compassion for them. And see, that word compassion, it doesn't mean that Jesus went everywhere and he felt sorry for people that he looked at. There, there are times when, when our English translations of the Bible, it, it, the, the, because English is still, it's a limited language, there are times when the original language of the Scriptures, which here would be Greek, there are times when it's trying to convey an idea so strongly that we're just limited in English language of what word to use. And so the word that all of our Bibles, I, I, I'm pretty sure all translations use that word, the word compassion. But what it literally means is that when Jesus went from cities and villages, he saw the people, and it means this, that he had an overwhelming emotional reaction. Again, not, not physically tears, but Jesus looked at people, and when he saw all people, what happened is it broke Jesus. It broke him. And today we're wrapping up our series Revolution, man, I've loved this series. I've had a, I've, I've just loved what God has done during this series and the way that our church has served and what happened yesterday and what we've gotten to talk about. Last week we saw so many people step up and say, I want to use my gift. I want to serve in God's church. And, and I've just been excited for what we're going to do today. But here's really the idea that I want to unpack today and I want to, I want to land on our church. I've been praying about this idea for literally the past month. And so if you're taking notes or you tweet and you want to tweet something out, this is it. This is the big thing that I want to push on us today is that our church will experience a revolution when what breaks Jesus breaks us. Say that again. Our church, Summit, Summit will experience a revolution when what breaks Jesus, when what breaks the heart of Jesus breaks us. And make no mistake about it, what Jesus goes all over these cities and villages and he sees people, he has this, what it says, is an emotional, oh, just an overwhelming emotional reaction. What broke Jesus' heart when he looked at people is that Jesus looked at people and saw they were separated from him. He, he saw that they were what the Bible calls lost. I'll unpack that in a, in, in a second if that's a new thing. Jesus looked at people and saw they didn't have a relationship with him. They were separated from God. They were far from God and it broke 
Jesus, and listen, listen, make no, I, I, don't, I don't know where you're at today, I don't know where we're at, but here's what can happen. A lot of times we're just going through life, and if we're not careful, so many of us, we just go through life, our schedules come, our daytimers are full, our phones ping with alerts for upcoming meetings, and if we're not careful, we can go through life surrounded by the very same thing that broke the heart of Jesus, but if we're not careful, we can go through life surrounded by the same thing and it doesn't affect us at all. And so I don't, know, I don't know where you're at today on kind of a spiritual spectrum. Maybe you're here, and at one time, man, you were really passionate about the things of God. You weren't perfect, but there was just a real sense of God's presence in your life. Your walk with the Lord was trucking and moving, and you were growing spiritually. But then all of a sudden, and you didn't plan for it, we never do, life happened. And then you just stopped inviting people to church. You stopped praying for lost people. You stopped, maybe, maybe church attendance you know, started to become sporadic. You really stopped getting into the Bible. And you're sitting here today, and you're not where you used to be. Maybe that's where you are. Or you're here today, and you don't even have a category for what I'm trying to talk about today. So when we talk about what, what, we, talk, when we, talk about what breaks God breaks us as well, you don't even have a category for that. All you're worried about is that your ticket is stamped, you got out of hell, you're going to go to heaven. That's really all that you're worried about. And listen, if that's you, I just want to say to you, there is more. There is more than just having your ticket stamped and on your way to heaven. But maybe that's where you're at today. Or maybe you're here and, man, you, are, you feel like you're in a great place. Your walk with God is growing. Again, you're not perfect, but you know what? God is really working in your life, and you're aware of his presence, and the Holy Spirit is at work in you, and you're passionate about the things of God. Again, you're not perfect, but, man, you feel like you are in a really good place. Again, I don't know where we're all at on kind of a spiritual spectrum this morning, but I just want to say that you will experience a revolution in your relationship with Jesus when what breaks him breaks you. Our church will experience a revolution when what breaks Jesus breaks us. And see, and see, we're praying for God to do a great thing next week, aren't we, Summit? Aren't we? Aren't we? Coach Cal's in the back. He's about to come out and speak. Anybody fired up? Just kidding. He's not here. I'm just seeing. I'm just seeing. Testing. We're, we're praying for God to do a great thing. A massive thing. But here's what I believe. I don't think the great work starts next, next week. I think the great work starts today. I think the great work starts right now. I don't think it's an accident that you came today. That you came. I don't think it's an accident. I think the great work starts in us today as we ask God to do three things in us, in you as an individual and in me as an, as an individual. If we're going to experience this kind of revolution where what breaks Jesus breaks us, we need to ask Jesus to do three things in us. And the first thing we need to ask him to do is to break us. First thing we need to ask Jesus to do is to 
break us. Again, look at what it says here as, we, as we're reading this. Verse 35, Jesus went throughout all the cities and the villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. Watch this. When he saw the crowds, it, it doesn't say that Jesus looked at the crowds. Instead, it says this very specific word choice. It says that Jesus saw the crowd. And what it means when Jesus saw the crowd, Jesus didn't, look at, Jesus didn't look at the crowd and say, oh wow, there's a lot of people here. Jesus didn't look at all the people that were there and say, hey, how's it going? How are you? How are you? Great to see you here. Didn't think I'd see you. How's it going? That, that's not what it means. It says that Jesus saw the crowd. And what it means is that because Jesus is God, again, God can do this. He saw their deepest need when he looked at them. Jesus looked at these people, and he saw what their deepest need was. And here's the thing. A lot of people came to Jesus, and they thought they had a deep need, but they didn't know their deepest need. A lot of people came to Jesus for physical healing, but Jesus would look at them, and he would have this overwhelming emotional reaction because not only did they need a physical healing, they needed a spiritual healing. They needed a relationship with him. That's why over and over in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, when Jesus heals somebody, he'll also say this, and your sins are forgiven. Pick up your mat, your walk, you, pick up your mat, walk home. I know you were paralyzed just five minutes ago. Pick up your mat, walk home. That's been healed, but also your sins are forgiven. Because here's what Jesus knows. Physical healing is great, and you should pray for physical healing, but spiritual healing is deeper. Physical healing will last in this life. Spiritual healing will last eternity. And so Jesus doesn't just look at the crowds. He saw them. He saw the reality of their situation, that they were far from him, and it broke Jesus. And I just want to be really clear here today. I just want to lay all my cards out on the table and let you know where I'm at and where our church is at. I just want to be really clear here today that as real as the room that you're in right now and as real as the chair that you're sitting in and as real as the meeting that you're getting ready for this week, as real as that test is, as real as the game is this coming week, heaven and hell are real. God is real. Sin is real. Jesus is really alive right now. These are not fairy tales. We're not here to inspire each other and hold hands, sing kumbaya, and hope it's real. The Bible says, and I'm going to talk about it next week, that if, there, if there's no resurrection, if Jesus is still dead, then our faith is in vain. This is a waste of time, and we all need to shut down. But if he is alive, then that is a game changer. This is real. Look at somebody next to you and say, this is real. This is real. Heaven and hell are real. And listen to me, look at me. People really will spend eternity in one of those two places. We are, talking about a, we are talking about real people facing a real decision about a real Savior looking at a real eternity. And Jesus could not have been, Jesus just could not have been any clearer on this. Look on the screen here. This is John 14, 6. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. Watch this next part. No one comes to the Father except through who? You tell me. Me, Jesus. Nobody comes to God except through Jesus. Jesus says, I am the only way, I am the only truth, and I'm the only life. If anybody wants a relationship with God, I have cornered the market on that. There is no other way 
than through me. There is no other name under heaven and earth by which men can be saved than the name of Jesus. So church attendance does not save anybody. Church attendance might get you on the path where you can hear the gospel like what I'm talking right now, and all of a sudden God can work in your heart, you believe it, you give your life to Jesus. But make no mistake about it, church attendance does not save. Okay? Baptism does not save. Being a good person does not save anybody. Being a good mom, dad, worker, boss, being a good student, being a good son, daughter, does not save anybody. Keeping the Ten Commandments does not save anybody. There is no such place as purgatory, where we all go after we die and we get the kinks worked out. Some of us are a little jacked up more than the others, so they're going to be in purgatory a little bit longer, but we're all eventually going to heaven. No, there is no place called purgatory. There is no back door to heaven. You know, Jesus says, I'm the way, but somebody finds the doggy door in the back and they snip in. They're like, what's up? It's not going to happen. There's no back door. There are not many paths to God. There is a path, and his name is Jesus. And listen, listen, listen. I, I say that to, to, ha- to have a Jesus pep rally, but, but praise God that you're clapping now and you're with me. That's awesome. Um, you must have got killed in Flappy Bird between the first time and the last time. Um, that game is of the devil. Oh, gosh, that's another sermon. But anyway, um, Oh, well, as long as you're a sincere Buddhist, as long as you're a sincere Muslim, it doesn't matter if you call it, uh, doesn't matter if you call it Muhammad, doesn't matter if you call it Buddha, doesn't matter what you worship, as long as you're sincere, because all paths lead to the same place. No, they, they don't. They don't. They don't. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That is exclusive. And listen, listen, I get it. This is not my first rodeo, okay? I know that what I'm saying right now is extremely controversial. In fact, and hey, I'm I'm excited that you're here, but maybe you're here and you're just seething right now. All the the intolerance of what I would say. And, And so maybe you're here and you would say this. Hey, you know what? I don't really like what's on the screen right now, that John 14, 6, and that Jesus is the only way. But I do think that Jesus was a very wise teacher. Here's your problem. The problem is that Jesus over and over and over claimed to be God. Today, if someone claims to be God, what do we call them? Crazy! Right? Back away slowly. Right? You don't say, oh, that's a really wise man. No, Jesus, C.S. Lewis was right. Jesus is either a liar or he's Lord. He's either a liar or... Or he's Lord. Oh, well, you know what? I really like what Jesus says about love and forgiveness, and I really don't like what he says about how he's the only way to God and that sort of thing. Listen, I get that, but Jesus just did not give us the luxury to pick and choose what we like and don't like about what he said. He called himself Lord. What that means, he's all or nothing. And I can either submit to him or I can reject him. But what if the most loving thing is really, really hard truth? Because we're talking about real people, those people on your team, those people that you work with, those people that you go to school with, those people that sit in the cubicle or the desk next to you. I'm talking about your neighbors. I'm potentially talking about your kids, your spouse, real people with a real decision about a real Savior looking at a real eternity. God, would you break our hearts so that we don't just look at people, we can see people the way that you see people as people who will live forever in one of two places. When a 
church gets broken over that, there are no limits to what that church will do. Anybody amen? Amen. I will amen my own sermon. This is a good sermon. Right? We need to ask God to break us, but we also need to ask God to remind us. Ask God to break us, but we also need to ask God to remind us. I just think one of the most amazing things about this is that Jesus goes through all of the cities and all of the villages. Think about this. He is seeing thousands and thousands and thousands of people, but at the end of the day, from Jesus' vantage point, every person that Jesus looks at fits into one of two categories that he talks about in verse 36. It says that Jesus saw the people. He had compassion for them. But watch, here's one of the categories, harassed and helpless. The other one, sheep without a shepherd. Harassed and helpless, sheep without a shepherd. And see, one is not better or worse than the other one. Jesus is just trying to help us understand what life is like without him. And what Jesus says life is like without him, it's like a sheep without a shepherd. I have no shepherding experience, okay? So I'm not dropping that card, but I've read about sheep. The Bible talks about sheep and shepherds a lot, so I've had to read uh, more than maybe most people have about sheep and shepherds. I have no shepherding experience today. I'm not leading a flock after this or anything like that. I don't have a shepherd staff. But here's the thing about sheep. Do you know what sheep do all day long? Let's enter the mind and life of a sheep. Here's what sheep do. Sheep do this. Look, grass. I'm going to eat that. They eat that. Oh, look, grass. Oh, look. Grass, oh look, grass, oh look, grass, oh look, grass, oh look, whoa, 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 guys, grass, grass, it's right here, grass, grass, oh look, there's more grass, and all of a sudden sheep do this, where'd everybody go? Grass, 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 see that's why shepherds carry a big fat stick, you know what they do with that stick? Beat sheep, sorry Peter. sorry, sorry, sorry. But they do. Sheep gets out of line. Sheep leaves the flock. What do they do? What? Boom! Right there. Why? Because they know. Because <laughs> here's what they know. They know that sheep will just spend their whole life wandering aimlessly without a shepherd. I spent 18 years of my life wandering aimlessly, looking for hope, looking for purpose, looking for peace, looking for salvation, and I looked for it in all kinds of other ways. And then in April of 1996, Jesus Christ entered into my life, and all of a sudden, as a sheep giving his life to the shepherd, I said, that's what I've been looking for. Or, or harassed and helpless. I thought that relationship would fulfill me. I thought when I made that much money, I'd be satisfied. Here I am, and I'm still empty. Why? It's because we can only get from Jesus those things. Money can't give us those things. And so Jesus looked at all of the people, and they all fit in one of those categories. So it doesn't matter if it was the successful CEO or the person that couldn't make ends meet. Didn't matter if they were average or attractive. Didn't matter if they were rich or poor, Republican, Democrat. Without Jesus, everybody is on the same playing field. But I don't want us to hear this point and look at what Jesus says here and think about other people. Because can I just remind us this morning that for the best of us in here, if you've got Jesus in your life, there was a point in your life when you were harassed and helpless. There was a point in your life when you were a sheep without a shepherd. There is nothing more ungodly and unchristlike than in the body of Christ, than in the church, people who think they're better than other people. Amen? Nothing is more satanic than that. Because listen, 
You and I, if we're here today and we've got a relationship with Jesus, it's not because all of a sudden we make good decisions or we are moral people. It is because Jesus Christ looked at us and he had compassion on you. And he said, I'm going to save them because their life without me is going to be worthless. And so he stepped in and he saved you. I mean, we are talking about an infinitely holy, perfect God. And we are talking about us. And listen, if God were to give all of us what we deserve, then we would all get hell. Because when I look at my sin and I compare my sin to who God is, that's what I deserve. But see, God is a compassionate God. God is a God of love, and what we've said in this series is that love in the Bible always equals action. So in the verse John 3, 16, that everybody knows, it says this, God so loved the world that he what? What did he do? He gave. Why? Because love equals action, and because God loved us, he stepped in, stepped up, and took one for the team, sent his only son to take our place. And the reason that any of us are here worshiping Jesus, loving Jesus, having a relationship with Jesus is because of his compassion. It's because he was compassionate, somebody prayed for you. Somebody invited you. It's because he was compassionate, maybe your parents brought you to church. Or it's because of his compassion that your life hit rock bottom, and it was at the bottom that you met Jesus, and he is bringing your life out of the pit. We need to remember and be reminded, oh wait, I am only here Because he is a compassionate God. But the last thing we need to ask Jesus to do in us, if we're going to experience this revolution, God break us, God remind us, but last of all, God send us. God send us. See, Jesus does not say what you think that he'll say because watch what Jesus says. Then he said to the disciples in verse 37, the harvest is plentiful. What that means is there are a lot of people in the world that are ready to come to church next weekend more than you think and they're ready to give their life to Jesus. The harvest is plentiful. God's been working on their hearts. We might not see it, but God is on the move. The harvest is plentiful. There are people who are ready, but the laborers are few. So here's the problem. There's a lot of people ready to take a step towards God. There are few people, apparently, ready to go to those people. Therefore, pray. Now, you would think Jesus would say, so pray that all those people get saved. He doesn't. He says, therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest, watch this, to send out laborers into his harvest. Jesus says, there are a lot of people who are ready to take a step towards me. Therefore, pray that God does something in the church. Summit, we've talked about this every week in this series. Who is the church? We are. Jesus says, pray that God does something in the church so that the church will say, Jesus, send me. I will go. And what Jesus says, there are people in your school ready to get saved. There are people that you work with ready to take a step towards God. There are people in your neighborhood who are open to, a, to an invite to church. There are people who, who you know that the Lord of the harvest, God is the Lord of the harvest. God saves, we don't. Am I right? God's the one that saves. We don't. But what God does is God always uses means to accomplish his ends. So Jesus says this. There's a lot of people ready to take a step. Somebody needs to go to them because then I'll do my work. And so the question is for us as a church this week, will we go? Will we go? Because next Sunday, 
is Easter Sunday. And there are people this week, this week, there are people who are more open to an invitation to church. There are people who are open to a spiritual conversation. There are people who are open to the things of God this week. Culturally, there are reasons for this, and and there's reasons spiritually. God's working in their heart. But there are people around us this week, Good Friday, Easter, Easter season, there are people ready to talk about and respond to God who are not at any other time of the year. And the question is, will we go to them? And I think that the answer to that hangs on whether or not what breaks the heart of God breaks us. So make no mistake about it, I am praying that God brings a harvest here next week. I'm praying that people give their life to Jesus next week. In fact, here I'll say this, we are leveraging next week so that we would set the table and God by his grace would save a lot of people. Anybody with me on that? That's why we're doing next week. That's why we'll do some different things next week. We're just going to leverage that day. But here's the question. Will we go? And I think it all hangs on us being broken for what breaks the heart of God. And so I said this earlier, and I'll say it again. We're praying that God does a great work next week. But I think the great work starts right now. I think there are people in this room, and at one time your relationship with Jesus was really on track, and then life happened. And you didn't mean to, and you didn't plan to, and you've still got a relationship with Jesus. You're still saved, but you are not where you used to be. And I believe that somebody in this room, the Holy Spirit of God is working in your heart, and he's telling you that you need to go to God and ask him to say, ask him to break you. God, break me. Or maybe there's somebody here and you need to ask God to remind you. Because let's just be honest, you were really excited and passionate about church and that kind of thing maybe a while back, but now you're kind of bored with it. (laughs) Kind of used to it. You've forgotten that the only reason that any of us are here is because Jesus, out of compassion, stepped in and saved you. So God is saying, hey, you need to ask me to remind you today. Or maybe you need to ask God, God, send me this week. Send me to that person. There's somebody that you have been wanting to invite to church and talk to about Jesus, but you have been so afraid of what they might say or do that it causes you to be silent every time. And now's the time to say, God, send me. Because our church, you, your family, we will all experience a revolution when what breaks Jesus breaks us. So Summit, would you stand with me for closing prayer? Would you stand with me? And and here's what I want to say. I want to say this right now. I know that we're all really tempted to kind of get out of here, leave, and hit the parking lot. I know this would be a great time to gather up your stuff, make a move, But I'm asking right now if we could be as still as possible. Because I think that God would want to work right now. Let's pray.
Dear Jesus, right now we come to you in your name. And I pray that you would have your way in our church. There are, some, there are people here today, and what they need is a revolution in their soul. Maybe they've walked in and they just feel dried up. Maybe they walked in and they just feel far from you. They got a relationship with you, but they're not where they once were. Life just crept in. Maybe there's somebody here today surrounded by people far from you. And Jesus, we don't feel anything. So we need to say, God, break me and remind me. And God, send me. Jesus, we want a revolution in our hearts, in our souls, and in our church. And it only happens by you working in us. So have your way. Listen, with every head bowed and with every eye closed, again, nobody's moving around right now, but here's what I know. Hey, Summit, if you want a revolution, if you want God to do a great new work, then we can't get there doing what we've always done. We've got to take, sometimes we've got to take bold steps. We've got to take big steps. We've got to take different steps. And I don't, I, I'm, I don't make any apologies for today. I'm going to ask you to take a bold step, every one of us. If you're here today and you'd say, you know what? I want a revolution in my heart. God, I want you to break me. God, I want you to remind me. God, I want you to send me. And, and, and you and God know the specifics of that prayer. But if you're here today and you are saying, I want that revolution in my heart. It doesn't matter if you've been a Christian for five minutes, five days, or 50 years. But I want that kind of revolution. I don't want to just live through a relationship with Jesus. I want to thrive with a relationship with Him. God, bring that revolution into my life. If that's where you're at today, I'm asking you right now to take a bold step, make your way out of the aisle, and come up front here right now while I'm talking, and just make this an altar, and let's pray together as a church to ask God to bring a revolution in our church. You come right now. You just come if that's you. Say, God, I want a revolution in my heart. You come right now. Now, that thought, oh man, they'll see me, that's a block to the revolution. Oh man, I'll do that later. We'll never experience a revolution if we put off what we need to do today. Oh man, you know what? Well, I need to get some things right first. No, we don't. You just need to come. It doesn't matter where you're at or where you've been. You say, excuse me, and they'll move, trust me. Because people are coming and people are moving right now. You just come, God, I need a revolution. I need to be broken. I need to be reminded need to be sent. You just come. People are coming. People are moving. You just come right now. doesn't matter if you're a teenager. doesn't matter how young you are, how old you are. If you feel like, man, I need to make that move, you come. Let's get some of our counselors in the back. Let's get you guys up here and just come up here and pray with people. Just come up here and lay your hands on somebody. Stand next to somebody. People that are, our people that are in the back there, just make your way up here and be with these people. If you feel like God is leading you to come up front, you make the move right now. Let's pray. God, bring that revolution. I need to be broken for what breaks you. I need to be reminded. I need to be sent. Maybe you just feel like your relationship with God, for some reason, got shifted into neutral. Today, it goes back to drive. Today, we're moving forward. Hey, maybe you made some decisions. It took you farther than you wanted to go. You are still loved. And today, forgiveness and second chance is yours through Jesus Christ. If you say, God, I want that revolution, why don't you just come up here and pray? People are coming still right now, and they're praying. Right now, you just come. Just come.
while people are still praying, I want to ask every single person in this church a question today. How many of you know somebody right now, a face and a name comes to your mind, of somebody you know that does not have a relationship with Jesus, and you would say, Mark, I'm praying that they would be here next week. Would you just raise your hand for that person right now? On their behalf, raise, raise your hand. Raise your hand high and hold it up. Hands are going up all over the middle, all over the side. If you know somebody that's hands are going up all over the side to my left, raise your hand for them and keep it up right now. I know somebody that's not saved that I'm praying comes next week. Raise your hand for them right now. Keep raising those hands if that's you. You know somebody, here's, here's the deal. If you've got your hand raised for somebody, you have their face in your mind, their name in your mind. I want us as a church to pray for them right now. Right now, let's pray. Father, I pray for the people that just raised their hands. And every hand raised represented a person, friends, family, co-workers, neighbors. It represented people far from you that people here are praying would have a relationship with you. And God, I pray that you would work in those people's hearts. You are the Lord of the harvest. And I pray that next weekend people would come and we would see people cross over from death to life. Jesus, we do not have the ability to save anybody. And we confess that today. Only you save. But God, we pray that you would use us this week. Help us to be bold. Break us and remind us and send us. You continue to pray up front. You continue to pray for those people. If you need to come up front and you have it, you just make your way up front. Here's what I want to say right now. Maybe you're here today and you're thinking, Mark, when you were talking about sheep without a shepherd and harassed and helpless, that sounds a whole lot like where I live. That sounds like my life. If you're here today in this room and you know that you're not a Christian and today you want to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ, I want to lead us in a prayer. And this prayer is not magic words, but if you want God to forgive you for your sin, Jesus to come into your life and to start a relationship with Him, I just find a lot of times people have a hard time verbalizing exactly what to say there. They don't really know what to do. I just want to help you with that. If you're here today and you want to give your life to Jesus and start a relationship with Him right there where you're standing, this is between you and God. But I invite you to pray, pray this prayer with me if you want to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ and give him your life today say dear Lord Jesus forgive me for my sin come into my life and save me make all things new in my life thank you that, that you love me thank you that you died for me and you rose again for me help me to live for you from this moment to the best that, my, to the best that I can in your name, amen. With every head bowed, with every eye closed. If you just prayed that prayer, we want to celebrate that with you. So I'm going to count to three. And as soon as I say three, if today you're making the decision to give your life to Jesus Christ and you want, you want God to forgive you for your sins and to have that relationship and the confidence that you've got Him in your life now and you'll be with Him for all of eternity, if today you've made that decision, as soon as I say three, raise your hand high up in the air so that I can celebrate with you today, so that we can celebrate with you today. One, two, three. Raise your hand right now if you're making that decision. If you're making that decision today to give your life to Jesus Christ, raise your hand 
And I want you to look at me for just a moment if you're making that decision. On the back of your connection card, we give you an opportunity to say, I gave my life to Christ today. Before you leave, check that box. And when you leave the auditorium in just a moment, we want to give you a free Bible and a book called Seek First. All kinds of volunteers will be back there. Just grab one, give them that card. And we just want to help you with the step that you just now took. Father, I pray that you'd break us and that you would remind us and God, you'd send us. What an awesome time this is. This week, just to leverage it. Thank you for every person, God, that not only came up front, but God, that you are working on in the seat that wants a revolution. God, if our church wants to experience a revolution, it happens when what breaks you breaks us. God, break us. Break us. Jesus, we love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Summit, let's thank God for today. And here's what, I, here's what I want to say. What I want to say to us today. People are uh, making their way back to their seats. About to dismiss here in just a moment. When you leave, uh, when you leave in just a moment, all over the lobby, there are invite cards for next Sunday. Just these right here. You take as many as you'll use this week. If you want to take one person, takes all of them, that's fine. Use them all. Give these out, put them on your desk, whatever. Let's get the word out. 9-15, 11-15, let's watch God do a great work. Hey, I'd love for you guys to stick around for the VIP event right here in this room for 15 minutes. First time guests, returning guests, hit out the lobby to your right. We've got a free gift for you. You guys are dismissed. Let's pray and let's work and let's watch God move next Sunday, 9-15, 11-15. Love you, church. See you next week.